One, two, three. Do it. Oh. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 30. No. Back in for another edition of the Scolders Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Brown Marco. With me, as always, co host Mike Anderson, back from his hunting retreat. So, how'd it go out there, Mike? You, you, kill, you kill Bambi? I did not, unsuccessful this year. So, but <clears throat> there's always another weekend. There's always another weekend, another year, you know. We'll get them eventually. I'm sure some of the hunters out there have uh, had trouble watching the favorite Vikings team this week as a Sunday night football game. Um, especially leading into the holiday, a lot of people have it off. You know, they try to take that long weekend go hunting, but yep. you know, yep. when your team plays on Sunday night football, you got to find a way to get there and and watch it. That's I mean, right. You said you were watching from a bar on a twenty six inch TV, something like that. Uh, I don't even think it was twenty six inch TV. It was uh, sm- I think it was even a little smaller than that. So, so whatever we got to do to watch it, you know, that's, that's what we do. Um, so. Well, we're talking about Vikings-Dallas. Before we get into that, though, we're going to take a look around the week, as we always do here. Um, kind of kind of some upsets this week. Um, seem to be the week of the upset. There's a lot of games that I thought were going to go drastically different. But, uh, you know, maybe some teams are going to make late pushes here for, for wildcard spots. And uh, just get right into it. First one up, Mike. Titans defeat the Chiefs 35-32. Tannehill yeah. leading them to victory. Yeah, uh, I know that one surprised me quite a bit. The Titans have been a, a team that's been all over the board this year. Uh, but you figure with Mahomes coming back, a uh, Chiefs team that's kind of been up and down you know, with him out, that they were going to get a big win. And, and uh, they actually were ahead you know, later in the game. And then the Titans come in, score a late touchdown, uh, and then ultimately block a, a, what would have been a game-tying field goal attempt late in the game. And uh, edge the Chiefs by three. So, you know, it just goes to show every week anybody can beat anybody. Anyone can beat anyone. Obviously, uh, a bit more points scored than, than when we played the Chiefs. But, um, you know, it, like I said, any any given week, it's it's a whole different ball game for some of these teams. And I think Mahomes is a little bit limited, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, sure didn't look like it on the scoreboard. No, I think he threw for like four forty and three or something, didn't he? I I honestly haven't looked, but uh, yeah. So I don't know. Chiefs are at what six and four. They're six and four, five and four. They're not looking uh, too great to to even win that division right now because they're tied right now with Oakland. Well, I think when you look in the uh, the AFC, you know they're still going to have a good opportunity to. Um, you know, make the playoffs, I, th- I think. And then, as you know, uh, once you get in, you know, it's it's really ride the momentum from there. Obviously, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, if, if they can be healthy with Kelsey, that offense is good enough to put up a lot of points regardless of the defense. Um, you know, would love to see them against uh, a Ravens team or, you know, someone that just might present a matchup problem. Um Sure, but yeah, I, I think they're going to comfortably make the playoffs. But certainly, that first round buy is is looking a little bit less likely at the moment. 
Yeah, especially when you look at that, and you got the Ravens at seven and two. Don't look like they're slowing down. New England at eight and one. I mean, six games left. That that difference just seems kind of insurmountable at this point. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And I was incorrect. It was it. Chiefs are six and four. Oakland is five and four. So they still have a game up in the uh, division, but Oakland can, could come storming here if they continue to to drop these games that they should be winning. Right. Um. Next big surprise here: the Falcons. <laughs> Apparently, roll over the Saints, twenty-six to nine. Yep. What is going on here? I was I was doing some yard work when this was happening, so I didn't get to see this game. But holy hell! Yeah, uh, divisional game indoors. Uh, you know, the the Falcons were still a team that most of their beat writers had winning 10, 11 games this year. Uh, had a lot of expectations, so I know it was a game I stayed away from in the the loser pick'em deal. And you see it. And you see with the Saints, it seems like every year, you know, whether it be the Bucks or the Panthers, Falcons, whichever one kind of is near that bottom, they come in and, and the Saints tend to lose a game like that uh, or two every year. So uh, certainly shocking, I think, especially shocking. They only put up a few, what they scored nine points, I think, which for right. that offense is pretty shocking uh, because Kamara was back. Michael Thomas had a huge game. Uh, they just couldn't get in the end zone. So um, Breeze is also back. Breeze is back, yeah. So big loss, uh, certainly helpful for Minnesota as they now have two losses there. Um, any chance, you know, that the North winner will get a bye, uh, you know, got a little bit better with that loss. So mm, I guess good for Atlanta. Yep. Um, one final note I have here. Uh, I, I'm just going to throw it out there, you know. Drew Breeze is 2-2 two and two with the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater is 5-0. and oh. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying facts here. Yeah, yeah. So... Maybe bench breeze. It might be time. You know, you know, I'm Team Teddy. I mean, I mean, stats back it up. Yeah. But anyway, uh, next point here. So <clears throat> Miami is so bad they can't even tank correctly. Right. Because they beat Indy. They did for some god awful reason. So yeah, um, this is what the AFC South looks like. Houston Texans six and three. Colts five and four, Titans five and five, Jacksonville four and five. This this division is still tight. We talked about this like three, four weeks ago, and it was it was tight, and it's still it's not shaken out at all. Like the AFC is just a huge ball of mediocrity. Yeah, I I think that one was a shocker for me. Even Indy at home without Brissett, uh, without T Y Hilton, I still thought they you know have so much talent on each side of the ball versus a Miami team. That you know, I thought was maybe going to be coming down after getting a victory last week. No way they win two in a row, and they come in and, and win an ugly, low-scoring game. I think it was sixteen to twelve. They were up like ten nothing at half. Um, I ended up losing out of my pick a winner pool because of this game, so that was unfortunate. But um, I, I think most people with all the upsets this week ended up. Uh, I bet I bet a lot of pools ended this week. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because there was a lot of things that shouldn't be happening in this week that did. Um, yeah. I'm just going to say it. Are the Dolphins winning out and going to make the playoffs? Uh, I don't think so, but you never know. Well, well, we'll keep an eye on that. If they win next week, maybe we might have to reassess that. Right. Um, uh, let's see. Pittsburgh, take down the Rams. This one was a defensive battle. I saw a little bits and pieces of this one. It looked like a... Fun game to watch. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh's 
you know, playing pretty well right now. Uh, they got back here to above 500 at five and four, and you know, currently tied, I believe, for that first wild card spot in the AFC. Um, so, yeah, big one for them. They're getting it. They're getting it going. They're hot. Uh, we know that Tomlin has ability to to coach and, and coach well. One of my favorite coaches in the league. Been saying that for quite a few years here on the podcast. Uh, so yeah. We'll see what they do, uh, certainly with that new-look team from just a couple of years ago with the Killer Bees. Yeah, um, also interesting of note there, with the Rams losing, they're now 5-4, and four, third place in the NFC West. And uh, I think at this point they're two games back from a wildcard spot. Who's Is that? that? Right? Uh, the Rams. Uh, Rams would be, let's see here. Because they're five and four, so division yeah. winners as of right now. Minnesota's the last wild card team right now at seven and three. Right, with Seahawks being one above us at eight and two. Yep. So they're looking at <clears throat> two wins down in the wild card race right now, or well, yeah. one and a half really. But um, that is not a position you thought that the Rams are going to be at based off of last year. But you know, it's like I say, the the Super Bowl slump coming off that Super Bowl, you just. <clears throat> You have a letdown season, typically, um, unless your name is the Patriots. So, uh, last game for around the way we got last night's game. Seattle just beats the 49ers. Man, this game was a battle in the fourth quarter and also that overtime. This was this was a fun watch. If you were watching the last five minutes of the fourth quarter and that overtime, this was this was such a fun watch. Yeah, uh, fun game. You know, two teams that know each other well. I think San Fran was missing a few key components. Uh, so I, I don't think San Fran hangs their head over that loss. Seattle's a good football team. Uh, and I think if, if San Francisco, you know, had that full health or at least had a couple of those key players back, um, be curious to see when, you know, if they played again. So uh, big win for Seattle. Um, again, I think if you're a Viking fan, you probably wanted that outcome. Uh, Seattle winning the game. Again, just trying to look for making sure that the North winner gets a uh, gets a bye. So uh, we play Seattle. Obviously, we control that one there. And and uh, you know now San Francisco's got a loss on on the column. Yeah, and a lot of this is going to come down to obviously with the division games being stacked at the, the later half of the schedule. Um, Vikings play the Packers at U at Historic US Bank Stadium Week 16. Um, I believe Week 17 is a matchup between uh, Seattle and the 49ers. So um, it's entirely possible that at that point that matchup could mean um, a first round bye or a fifth seed in that yeah. uh, NFC West. Right. Yep. So that could be a huge matchup, and you know, unlucky for everyone that Week 17 matchup they're all at noon. So <laughs> we probably won't get to see that one if you're, um, you know, a Vikings fan or in a different market than, than those two teams. So um, a lot of stuff to look out for there. I think the NFC is just completely stacked. It's going to be interesting to see how this continues to shake out in the next uh, several weeks here. But as for the North, like you alluded to, we're trying to get the North team with the first round by, and we need to jump up ahead of the Packers, um, which we didn't get any help from. Green Bay... Defeats Carolina at home, moves to eight and two. Just a tough game for a second there. I thought Carolina might actually have a good chance to, to blow them out. I think at the start of it, they were Carolina was ahead. I think like 
by a touchdown or something like that, if I remember right. Um, so seemed like that was a back and forth game. Um, couldn't do it though. Green Bay takes the win. Um, got a little bit snowy. Some of my favorite game conditions. You know, get some weather involved. It's always fun football when you see some weather involved. Um, so yeah, Green Bay is still a team to beat. They're doing a lot better than I expected this year. I don't thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, pretty much you nailed it. Carolina jumped out seven nothing, uh, and then you know, kind of got a little bit behind there in the middle of the game. End up coming back and, and getting stuffed McCaffrey on the goal line basically as the last play of the game. So had a chance to potentially uh, make it a two-point game and have a two-point conversion there to try and uh, tie it. But um, certainly a big win for Green Bay. Uh, they now go into a bye before going on the road for their next two. Um, I think the only thing that Vikings fans have to look forward to is you know four of Green Bay's final uh, six are on the road, and obviously you flip that around for you know for the Vikings. Uh, but unfortunately, their schedule really doesn't look too tough um, outside of uh, Minnesota, of course, and then they do come out of the bye at San Francisco. Um, but the other teams they got are the Giants, uh, Washington, uh, the Bears, and and the Lions. So. You know, Minnesota's probably going to need to play, you know, damn near perfect football down the stretch if they want to win the North. Um, but then again, I, I think I like Minnesota's chances in most of the games here uh, as well. So it should be a fun final, you know, six, seven weeks here and uh, see how it shakes out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's looking like, like I said, if we would have to win out and we'd have to. Uh... And Green Bay would have to drop a game for us to um, overtake them in the NFC North because the tiebreak on the division is division record. So in that case, head-to-head tie would have been one-to-one. Division record is the next tiebreaker. We'd be four and two, and they would be five and one at that point if we both won out, except for uh, Green Bay losing to us, right? So we need them to drop a game and us to win out, and then we win the division. Yeah, and I think the obvious choice is them going to San Francisco here coming up. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's going to be a tough spot to win on the road. So if they lose that game, uh, you know, and the Vikings can can do their part, uh, including a win at Seattle, then it sets up a showdown on on uh, December twenty third, which ultimately could be for that first round bye. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of good football ahead of us. Um, we'll just see kind of how it shakes out. Like you said, um, all you can do is play the games you're slotted with and just hope everything breaks your way. Other team in the north here, the two teams, Chicago takes on Detroit. Detroit without Stafford, I wasn't paying attention as much, but what did he have that took him out? Um, I believe he had broken, I think he's got backs, something with his back. Um, sounded like he was going to be out for, I think, three weeks at least, and they were maybe entertaining uh, longer than that, depending on you know the, the situation when he does get back to healthy. Um, so yeah, it sounds like he'll be out for a little while, which, uh, you know, I don't know if that means most likely he would not be facing, uh, Minnesota because what we've got, uh, well, December 8th is when we play them. So he would have to be out for better part of a month. Yeah. So it should be close. Um, again, if, if Detroit's out of it, you can't imagine a guy that, uh, has been sacked numerous times over the last few years by Minnesota would come back for that game. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see when we get there. 
Surprised is the first back injury I've heard of him because he's been carrying that team for quite a while. Right. Yeah. What? No, no laugh at all. There, that was gold. That was comedy gold, Mike. No, well, it's it's the Lions. Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Um. So I think that wraps it up for the North Face, and we can just get right into Vikings versus Dallas recap here because uh, this was a game. This was a, this was a battle. Yeah, it certainly was. Um. Started off right away. This was. Primetime game. This was a big stage, right? This was a road game. This was technically an outdoor game because the roof was open. So Dallas was trying to stack all the factors against Kirk, and Kirk said, nah, yep. ain't having none of that. Um, like, like, yeah, if you're 23 of 30 for 220 yards, two TDs, 115.5 rating, um, I think he, he, he played about as most solid as he could, given the circumstances. Um I mean, he just he just did well. I, I don't know how else to how else you put it. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's definitely helping the narrative, right? You know, two twenty uh, and two, I believe both to Mister Rudolph, uh, one hundred fifteen point five rating. He made a you know pretty athletic throw to the one uh, touchdown there to Rudolph, where he kind of did a, a jump throw. You know, a guy that you might see or typically a throw you might see from a Lamar Jackson or a Patrick Mahomes, you know, that, that they'll rave right. about over the course of a week. Um, I think in this case, Rudolph's catch overshadowed the throw. Um, but no, it was uh, Cousins coming in, maybe not, you know, necessarily winning the game for us, but he certainly did more than just manage it. I think uh, you got what you wanted out of him, and then Dalvin, of course, did his thing. Uh, but I, I would say, yeah, it's a it's a big win on the road against a quality opponent. And, you know, primetime stage, that's what we're looking for. He's going to get another uh, couple chances at that. And the way it looks now, those two games are, are going to be even more important than this one was. Right. I would like to detour for a small second here uh, because I did an analysis on Kirk Cousins' primetime games. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So this is his aggregate stat line. So this is his average stat line in these primetime games. 27 of 39 for 70% completion, 313 yards on average, 1.9 TDs, 0.6 interceptions, 105.2 rating. That's averaging, I believe, 15 primetime games, something like that, which includes Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, Saturday night football, so you know the couple games we get on Saturday, and then um, London games. His PFF grade on aggregate, 74 now, I'm told anywhere between 70 and 75 means you're not a liability for your team. In his okay. in his losses, he averages 71.8 PFF grade. And in, in his wins, 77.5. So he's not a liability in his losses. So I, I completely buy into the fact that the reason why he's been losing these games is because he's facing much, much higher um, competition. And he's not put into these primetime games because of his team. So he's performing well, but he's just losing because his team is just not as talented. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he addressed this after the game, too, and, and said he looks at his individual performance overall, obviously keeping in mind the end goal is to win. But, you know, he kind of said, I, I feel like I've played well in primetime games, and unfortunately the team uh, just hasn't really come out on top very often. And right. he gave an example of, you know, what if Dak completes that Hail Mary at the end of the game? 
you know, does that mean he goes and looks and, and says he didn't do enough, he didn't play well enough to win that football game? No. Right. Um, it doesn't. So I think, you know, sometimes we, we go a little too far and we've seen quarterbacks in the past that can uh, actually overcome and, and do enough to overcome a bad team. And I'm not necessarily saying Cousins can't do that, but I think his game um, – you know, I, I guess I agree with you to the fact that I think he plays well enough in these games. Um, it's just we gotta, you know, hope that the W's start to come along with that, uh, and you know, maybe we get a little bit of the luck headed our way. Which even on uh, Sunday night, you know, I, I don't think we necessarily did, as we'll talk about here when we get to the defense. Right. Yeah. Um, I think you hit it right in the head there. But you know, I'm done talking about the primetime narrative for Cousins. I think he plays good enough. It's just as the rest of the team show up, and we'll have more tests of that. We have, I think, three more primetime games this year. Um, Seattle's Monday Night Football, um, Sunday Night Football against uh, Chargers, and then followed immediately by um, Green Bay. So we have three more primetime games. We're going to get a full slate of Cousins and see what he's about and hopefully put this narrative to bed. But that's a different podcast. We'll get to that in a couple weeks here. Um so you mentioned it earlier, Delvin just continuing to crush. Every time I see this kid, he's like firing out of the cannon. Um, there were several runs there where it's like he broke four tackles to pick up 15 yards. It's just insane. I, I I don't know what else to say about this kid. Like, it's magical what this what this guy is doing. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's. You know, it's it's almost like he's playing at another level than the rest of these football players. You know, like a college guy playing in high school or a pro guy playing in college. Um, he's just so fast. He's he's got great vision. He's making all the right uh, the right cuts, the right you know the right reads, and and he's doing it through the air as well, which is something I know we were hoping for coming into the year. Uh, you know, I got to pat myself a little bit on 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 the back for this because. If you recall all the preseason shows, he was what I was most excited about this year. Uh, I thought if he could stay healthy, he was going to have a chance to be, you know, a top three fantasy back. And right now, I believe he's leading all running backs in total yardage. Yes, I know that Christian McCaffrey uh, did have a bye, I believe. So that you yes. know, it'd be interesting to see as you know he has another game. But I, I think honestly, Delvin deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Am I saying? Uh, that I would necessarily vote for him right now over Russ, Lamar, um, certainly McCaffrey's in that conversation. Maybe not, but I, I think that Dalvin's name should probably start to be thrown around uh, there, and, and certainly uh, I think he's got a chance to really uh, prove himself in these last few games and, and maybe elevate that even further to where um, you know he is in legitimately in that conversation. And, and if not MVP, I mean, Offensive Player of the Year is also something where he should be heavy consideration of. Because yep. this offense runs through him, it passes through him, everything starts and ends with Delvin. Um, he sets up so much for this team. So, yeah, it's it's exciting to watch this kid, and this is, this is what we thought was going to be possible year one when we got him. Um, obviously, you know, cut short that first year with the ACL and then, you know, in and out with injuries last year, but completely healthy Delvin with a decent offensive line in front of him. It's, it's just been pure magic. Yep. Yep. And my next point here is when Madison is in there, when, when Alexander Madison is in there, it, it doesn't slow down. He's able to do very similar stuff to Delvin. I don't think he's quite as quick and, and quite as elusive, 
but it seems like he's at 80 or 90% efficiency of what Dalvin gets. And I don't know if that's just a product of the line or if they're just so similar and so uh, equally skilled that it just doesn't matter who you put out there. Yeah, I think the line play has a lot to do with that, right? I think the scheme, uh, you know, they, they've really done a great job running the ball this year. So, um, you know, I certainly think Dalvin is, is uh, you know, a ways ahead at this point in time. But uh, you've got to be thrilled with that draft pick and, and certainly feel comfortable uh, with him coming in and, and uh, taking some of those reps away, you know, when hopefully some of these games get a little out of hand in the second half. You know, and and we're comfortably coasting to uh, yet another victory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get into the line play a little bit here, but uh, Rudolph, this is why you extend Rudolph, right? So nine receptions, two TDs for Rudolph, but nine receptions between Rudolph and Irv Smith. Um, this is this is a coming out party for the tight ends, right? This is what we kind of expected when we got Irv Smith to see more of this, and we got a lot of it uh, two nights ago at Dallas. Yeah, I think Irv had five catches, uh, and I think, uh, you know, Rudolph had four with a couple scores. So uh, really nice to see us get those tight ends involved and, you know, with Thielen out, uh, maybe take a little bit of the pressure off of Diggs, who I think had a somewhat of a quiet night. I think he had three for right around 50, um, you know. Well, but, but he had that long bomb at the um, end of the half to, to pick up the field goal. Yep, yep. I mean, certainly he's he's still a threat out there, um, you know, all the time. But I think that Diggs' value, uh, you know, it goes up quite a bit when you've got Thielen on the field and they need to try to figure out which one they're going to stop. Um, right now, I think you're going to get a lot more of the attention onto Diggs, which is probably a reason that, you know, we saw the tight ends get more involved. Probably the reason we saw Delvin have such a great game. Um, you know, we just have so many weapons on the offense that, you know, I, I think it's probably very difficult for a defense to go in and figure out who to stop. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, great to see the tight ends coming in. I would love to see a little bit more of that. I think Irv has proven, um, you know, he's athletic as hell. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to make a couple of big catches here as the year goes on. And, and Kyle Rudolph, um, you know, we knew that eventually he was going to have a game like this. He wasn't going to stay as quiet as he had uh, for the entire season. And same thing there. I think that, you know, he too will have a couple of big plays for us down the stretch. Yeah, and we're going to need it because, you know, some of these games are going to be a lot tighter than this where we're going to need a couple uh, just freaky athletic plays to pop up. Um, last point for the offense, Mike. The offensive line continues to play well. Uh, yeah. I think we gave up half as many pressures as Dallas did. I think there was a sack in there, a sack or two. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Overall, like, it didn't feel like Kirk was under duress much, and they were just plowing the way for Dalvin. Uh, Garrett Bradbury had a couple really wow blocks where he sealed off the hole and just presented it to Dalvin. He's like, here, here you go. This this is your lane. It, it's free and clear. Um, yep. So... I cannot be happier with this offensive line. And if you're a Vikings fan that has paid attention the last several years, I think you have to be very, very happy with how this line is developing, the scheme we're, we're implementing, and the play we're getting out of these guys. Um, by the way, Brian O'Neill is still sackless, still has not surrendered a sack. Um, just phenomenal young talent there. So exciting things for this O-line going forward. Very exciting things. I think we're one or two pieces away from having a top unit in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see them, you know, hopefully continue to improve on a week-to-week basis. I know 
you know, my concern is always if you face a dominant defensive front, you know, the likes of Chicago, where where we certainly struggled um, a fair amount. But now, all of a sudden, you look across this this playoff landscape, uh, what is likely the playoff landscape for the NFC, and and I don't know that you know there's anyone that scares me as much as that Chicago front. So, um, you know, I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there, but uh, I guess back to your point, continue to get better week in, week out. Um, And I I think it's been proven if we can keep Cousins, uh, you know, clean for the most part, he, you know, what would you say? Four out of the last five, five of the last six weeks has, uh, you know, really thrived and, and the team, the team's win-loss record is is also indicative of of that uh, production. Yep, like they always say, you know, it, games are won and lost in the trenches. Both sides of the ball, you win in the trenches, there's a high probability you're going to do good things on offense or good things on defense. So, um, that's it for offense. Before we get into special teams and defense, we'll take a quick little break, and we'll we will be right back. All right, and we're back in. Talking special teams quick because there isn't much to talk about with special teams, Mike. There's no, there's, there's a whole not. lot, not not a whole lot happened here, but this was officially the Dan Bailey revenge game. Yep. So um, Bailey, what he had uh, two field goals, right? Two field goals. Two field goals, two extra points. Two extra points. Yep. Right, because we went for two on the one with the Kyle Rudolph uh, reception on the two point conversion, but uh, perfect on the night. I think they were all pretty much right down the middle from what I was looking at. So, yeah, be nice, happier there. Nice <clears throat> to see him bounce back after missing the extra point. Um, you know, I think it, it just goes to show. Uh, you know, again, in this in this case, we we get the two point conversion to push it to four. But um, you know, last week we were kind of in that opposite situation when they missed that extra point. So uh, great to see Bailey bounce back kick well going down to Dallas and let's just hope that that continues uh here you know obviously at home you feel pretty comfortable but then you go to Seattle a place that occasionally has a little bit of wind and a crowd factor so we'll see how he does there right that'll be the that'll be the real test um one other note I want to bring up here Colquitt seemed to have I think he had one bad punt where it really didn't go that far seemed like a shank um then he had one that was I think late in the game that was a beauty. We I think we downed it in like the five or something like that. Yeah. Figure what happened on that drive, but um, that's the way you want to turn the field. So Colquitt kind of had a slump. I think in Kansas City he had probably about his worst game as a Viking so far. Um, so it's good to see maybe that that switch turning back the other way. Uh, and obviously with the team that that's the team that how we're built when we're trying to establish a run when we're trying to play good defense. Being able to flip that field is is very big. It's it's a very big boon if you can do that effectively. So. Yep. Defense, Mike. Defense, defense, defense. Man, I don't know what to do right now, but, I mean, we're against Dak, and he proved he was pretty damn good. 20 yeah. 26, 395, or 397, and three touchdowns, man. He was throwing dimes, man, like, and we couldn't get to him at all. No, uh, you know, interesting enough, he didn't, I don't believe he had any rushing yards, um, but certainly, you know, had time to throw, uh, was still elusive, and, you know, you and I were talking before the show, I don't know, as we'll get to here, how to approach this, because 
the throws were so perfect and the receivers were right on the edge of those sidelines. Um, just ridiculous catches and throws. There were, there had to have been five, six, seven of them. Uh, so do you, you know, kind of applaud Dak and the effort in those throws and just say, Hey, that's not going to happen that much on a game to game basis. Um, or do you, you know, look at this a little deeper and, and think that there might be, you know, a, a bigger issue here under the surface? Well, yeah, I think it's both because there were some absolutely freak circus catches where he's thrown it two, three yards out of bounds and the guy is just basically dropping down, reaching for it, um, and, and falling down out of bounds as his, as he's, you know, two feet in the ground just falling down and catching it. So that I don't think anyone can defend against that. I don't think there's a possibility for you to defend against that. Right. I think it's it would be technically unsportsmanlike conduct if you're sitting there out of balance trying to defend that pass. So you don't have an option to do with that. But there were also several throws where you saw Mike Hughes. You saw them picking on Mike Hughes for good for good reason. He's a second year guy, um, making a little bit of mistakes technique wise, maybe playing a little bit too off, um, getting fooled on a couple, you know, couple route breaks. You got to clean that up. I, I think Rhodes and, and Alexander also had some pretty poor misses. You got to clean some of those up. Um, so I think it's 50 50. It was just ridiculously good throws, but also just some bad coverages, some bad decisions by the DBs. Yeah, and, and you know, I also got down here that we had a couple chances at INTs there that were missed. Um, I know one of those was Hughes. Uh, so I think Mac, Mac also had one that was really close. Yeah. So I think if those guys, you know, really focus in, I, I know Hughes came out and said, uh, he's, he's incredibly frustrated. He feels like he, he should have four this year based on the, uh, just him you know, being able to make a catch out there. Uh, so I, I think maybe they go back to the drawing board. They focus a little bit on, on the ball skills. Um, and, and hopefully we see an improvement, you know, Wayne's, I'm not sure. I don't know if you've got any, uh, can shed any more light on that. I don't know the severity there. Uh, if we expect him back for Denver, granted Denver's not exactly, you know, an elite offensive team. So maybe, um, you know, maybe it's somebody we, we don't need back and you just try to get everyone healthy. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess for me, I tend to agree with you a little bit. It was reminiscent of me to almost the Rams game last year uh, where Goff, someone that struggled mightily this year, was just making every single throw and putting the ball exactly where it needed to be. And, and sometimes I, I think it's no different than, you know, James Harden, Steph Curry, some of these guys that get into – uh, a night where it's just they're so locked in, right? Athletes across the board in all sports, and and Dak was certainly locked in. Uh, you know, on on Sunday night, he made a believer out of me. I think, um, you know, if, if I was Dallas, I'd really be working my way to get that guy locked up because uh, I think if they don't, he's he's going to get paid elsewhere. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that uh, I don't think you want to screw on with. I don't even want to mention the franchise tag with that kid. You want to lock him down now. Um, I don't know if he's worth the top contract, honestly, but I wouldn't be surprised if they give it to him. Um, I mean, as far as Wayne's go, I think he was close to playing, so I, I, I think he should be back or close to back next to, next week. Um, and like I said, I don't know if it's if it's something where it's on the line where an extra two weeks of rest is going to make sure that it doesn't get re-injured, like an Adam Thielen type thing. Maybe you just hold him out. 
you're supposed to beat Denver. It's at home. You're heavily favored. You have competent guys, obviously, because they were able to, you know, bend and not break enough to help defeat this Dallas team. Yeah. Which is a lot more potent of an offense than Denver should be able to muster. So, theoretically, you should not have an issue. But, God, you say that, and then you do that, and then you end up losing to Denver. So, right. you got to be careful with that. And we have down here Linville. I think he had knee surgery, which I didn't know about until, I think, yesterday. So, I don't know when he's going to be back. That could be end-of-the-season playoff run type deal till he's back. So, yeah. I don't know what we do there. I mean, it would sound like it was a meniscus. Uh, kind of procedure that they went through so um, those can be tricky uh, in that you know he could be back right after the bye Uh, Zimmer did his whole thing where he didn't even rule him out this week against Denver Uh, let's just put this out there he is not going to play against Denver Um, (laughs) but I I think there's a chance that you could see him as early as the Seattle game Uh, I don't believe it's going to take till the end of the year for that but um, that's a big loss Granted, uh, you know, we did a hell of a job at, at stopping Zeke, uh, Zeke with one of his worst games of the year. So um, if we're able to continue to do that without without Linval, that'll be huge. And we actually stopped Zeke a lot of the time with a six-man box. Right. Oddly enough, we just had two linebackers in our front four, and we were holding down Zeke. So that was incredibly impressive. Um, also incredibly discouraging that we had so many guys in coverage and we couldn't cover anyone like all game. Right. But, you know, sometimes that's how the game goes. You take away Zeke. Um, like I said, you do the bend, don't break philosophy. You're going to give up yards. You're going to give up chunk yards as long as you stiffen up when you get to the end zone. It doesn't really matter much. Yep. Uh, anything else on the defense, Mike? I mean, I, no, I, I, I think it's a tough matchup, right? It, it's at Dallas. They had, I think, yeah. the best, the number one rated offense coming in yep. uh, by a fair amount of metrics into that game. So for you to go in, get a win, yes, Dak threw all over you, but you stopped Zeke. Um, you were down a couple of key players on defense. So um, let's hope that they go in. Uh, they watch some tape. They continue to improve. It's a big win in prime time. Um, great opportunity for the defense to come in and, and really, uh, you know, have a much better game this week at home Denver you get the crowd noise into it you have a bad offense um, I think I look for them to rebound this week get healthy in the bye and then we know we're going to get a, a hell of a test with with Russ and company out in Seattle absolutely we have to uh, get ahead early in that game and uh, hopefully we can we can get out of that town with a win like I said that's that's my lock of the year but that's that's a podcast for two weeks from now um, so Denver Denver, Denver, Denver. We're opening as 10.5-point favorites at home, which is not surprising. We are significantly better than they are. Um, but we were also significantly better than the Buffalo Bills team last year. Yep. So this is the trap game, right, Mike? Uh, You know, I, I don't know. I just feel like this team right now isn't going to have one of those missteps at home. Um. If it's a road game, maybe you get a little bit more concerned, but we've been so dominant at home. I believe they've won every game by double digits, uh, and, and I think that this team is on a bit of a mission right now. Um, I think that Kansas City loss is still left a bad taste in their mouth, and you know I, I think they're just they're coming out and, and looking to 
uh, rattle off here six straight wins to uh, kind of end the season. So um, I'm not too worried about this. I think they'll actually cover. Um, you've got Brandon Allen, kind of a journeyman guy that made his first start, I believe, two weeks ago or last week when oh, they were in by last week maybe. Um, but anyways, uh, first start coming in. Uh, Zim should be able to dial up a couple different schemes to really, um, right. you know, force him to have some trouble. And I, I think the Vikings win comfortably. Let's hope we we come out of this game relatively healthy. You know, again, no Linval. I don't think Thielen should play. Um, and I think the Vikings win comfortably. I'm gonna, I'm going to go uh, thirty-eight to thirty-eight to nine. Oh. That is a throttle in my friend. I'm feeling, I don't know. I'm feeling a little, uh, a little saucy tonight. I guess. You know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna out sauce you. All right. <laughs> all right. Forty nine to eight. Just forty nine to eight. All right. The eight is off a of safety. Okay. Well, I mean, a safety though. That's gonna hurt the chances at, uh, you know, putting up forty nine. True, but you know. You know what? I, I I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. It's it, it's a weird score, but I'm sticking with it. Probably never gonna happen, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. So I think you mentioned it earlier about home away games. We're more dominant at home. We have four of the last six at home. We're actually, I think, the only team I heard that yeah. has played six real, real games, games thus far. Yeah. So you have to think that's that's incredibly favorable to us in the stretch. Um, I mean. We'll get into this a lot more in the next coming weeks, but this, everything's in front of this team. We can we can step on the field and beat any team. Like I I fully believe that from what I've seen so far from how this team has played. So there's no sense why we shouldn't blow up Denver and we shouldn't go into Seattle and, and take them on too. Yeah, I think the Seattle podcast is going to be a lot of fun, right? Um, Seattle's playing, I would say, even better than I thought they would be at this point in the year. Uh, Russ is probably a front runner for MVP um, with, with no disrespect to Lamar Jackson, what he's doing on the other coast. But um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I think the Vikings, uh, obviously they, they see the standings. They know that they really probably can't afford to misstep here. Um, Honestly, really at all. Right. You know, especially if you want the playoffs to kind of run through historic us bank stadium, which I think is vital. Um, Yes. So, you know, we got to finish strong. I, I like I feel there's a little bit of an edge right now. Again, uh, I think that Kansas City loss was huge, but I'm really hoping it left a bad taste in the mouth and it's just going to just drive them to dominate here to finish the season. Absolutely. Um, so there's your Denver prediction. We're both predicting big wins over Denver. Um, but, of course, after this week, we have the bye week. So we're going to put up on Twitter what you guys want us to do, but we're going to have the bye week buzz. We're going to have several topics that I think we can choose from to, to just basically get hammered on and just podcast while we're talking about it. I think it's going to be fun. It'll be a fun bye week show. Yeah, I'm excited. So we'll have to think of some topics here. I think one of them is going to be Vikings field goal misses of fast and, and you know other shenanigans like that where we drink way too heavily. But uh, that's going to be the next podcast, Mike. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, one note, it looks like uh, they just announced the Green Bay-San Francisco game was flexed to Sunday Night Football that week, um, which I believe is two weeks from now when the Vikings are on the bye. Uh, so you get an opportunity to look at um, you know, 
ultimately, well, Green Bay will be eight and two going into that game. I don't know who San Francisco has this week, but um, you know, at a minimum, you're going to have two of the best teams record-wise in the NFC. So get a great chance to to view that. Absolutely, like like we just saw this last uh, yesterday Monday Night Football. He said two other teams, well, not two other teams, one other team best in the NFC. So we're getting a nice good look at these teams from a national perspective and we should have a good idea what we all have, you know, going into the playoffs in the NFC. It's, it's going to be a wild ride. I, I'm excited for it. Yep. So, that's it, Mike. I don't. That's I can't it. I can't think of anything else to talk about. It's, nope. Let's get to this Bikes. weekend and uh, take Bikes care of business. Let's, let's get to the, let's get to the bye. Eight and three. Nine, nine, eight and three. Yeah. And, uh, Everything's in front of us from there. Yep. All right, I'm on the Twitter at Demox7. Musky underscore Mike. As you know, we're part of the Climbing the Pocket Network. You've heard it multiple times from us. We're on Daily Norseman. Check us out there. Um, all the good podcasting places. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your families. Tell your favorite Vikings fan at work that, uh, hey, you heard it's a cool Vikings podcast with a couple really intelligent speakers, you know, and... Uh, you should probably listen too, right? Absolutely. Skull Vikes, bud. Skull.